Project Lawful aka Plane Crash by Yarwain, aka Eliezer Yudkowski and Lintamande. Thread 1, Mad Investor Chaos and the Woman of Asmodeus. Episode 32. Carissa, after having spent an hour trying really hard to get herself to shut up, can't think of anything to say. Maybe that's all right. Maybe she will just lie here, snuggling Keltham. Keltham has been hit by the delayed drop of noticing that, by golly, after the protagonist gets to his first actual sexual encounter with Carissa, it turns out she's got some deep psychosexual problem that needs solving, clearly with more sex being an important part of it, but also requiring non-sexual interaction with her that will further develop her character. You know, there's an obvious experiment he should run on this, to help figure out whether he's in a deconstructed reality arrow LARP, or if Galarian is just like this in some statistically more normal way, though it needs to wait until tomorrow morning. Hopefully he remembers. At least the winds of evidence seem to be blowing slightly against Keliax, running an elaborate con on him to get his engineering secrets. The thing with wizards being hard to injure during sadistic bedroom games seems less like a local mysterious non-coincidence, and more like a global mysterious non-coincidence. Like, it wouldn't be Keliax putting him into an arrow larp, if that's what's going on, it would be the world itself doing that to him. Though he supposes he has only Carissa's word for it that being hard to injure is a universal property of wizards, and not some exotic magic that was done to Carissa as part of someone's incredibly weird Aerolarp plan. Was there anything else he was supposed to do tonight? Oh, right, that. Keltham doesn't feel like embarking on that right away. He'd rather snuggle for longer first, so he does. Planning ahead more than ten minutes feels hopeless what with how the last day has been, but when nothing explodes immediately, Carissa tentatively starts to plan. She needs to explain the imagine-you-live-in Taldor, specifically planned to the rest of the girls. She also needs to warn them about ways they might plausibly screw up at having sex with Keltham. Also, she is doing a thing that people are trained in, namely seducing people into evil, and she's not herself trained in it, and she needs to correct that as fast as possible. Probably that can be lumped in with the other looming item on her agenda, which is check in regularly for corrections since everyone's going to be reluctant to seek you out for it. And probably that should come first, as soon as she's done with Keltham, so she can set up the cover story conversation with the girls and maybe get guidance on what sex advice to give them exactly, except don't do what I did. If her mind is currently being read, she thinks sleepily, she wants a history book written for Cheliax, which diverged from Taldor, 15 years ago, when Hell won one of the endless civil wars. More details can be provided if needed, but she's not just going to think them repeatedly with no idea if they've been conveyed. Invisible Security Wizard will tap her lightly on the forehead with Mage Hand in a standard signal that she has been heard. So, right now, Keltham can't tell the difference between the things that are incoherent because societies built by very stupid people are going to seem incoherent to him, and the things that are incoherent because the gods did them, and the things that are incoherent because they are a lie, Cheliax made up on the spot. But the more he learns, the more he'll be able to tell, and not along dimensions they can predict. He'll see correlations in weird places. They cannot come up with a convincing lie about being an invented kind of civilization that he would want to work with. 
But if he'd landed in Taldor, he would be appalled about all the things that are appalling about Taldor, and then go ahead and teach all his technology, probably so they don't have to invent a civilization, they just have to be Taldor. Literally, Taldor, down to every detail that might seem irrelevant because they don't know what things are going to seem irrelevant to Keltham. Taldor exists. It is a place that really can exist under whatever pressures Galerion puts on places, and it's acceptably stable enough that Keltham could go to work there, and it's culturally descended from the same civilization as Cheliacs, has its own kings and queens and dukes, so it won't contradict what's already been said. So it's the best available lie. Taldor isn't ruled by hell. But it could be, right? It has civil wars periodically. The church has probably contemplated the option of offering one party in those civil wars a contract like the Thrun one. And there are various geopolitical considerations against, namely that Kadira would panic and plausibly go to war with the entire continent of Avistan. Carissa is getting all of her understanding of geopolitics from drunk foreign adventurers speculating at the world wound. But that's because Kadira borders Taldor. Anyway, there's got to be a plan, right? Carissa's proposed lie is that the plan worked, and it's now fifteen or twenty years later. Long enough for them to be able to attribute all the remotely good things about Cheliacs to hell, short enough that anything bad they can reasonably say. Hell hasn't had the resources to fix yet. It is in her professional assessment as the person snuggling, Keltham the only lie that will hold up once he's less confused, and it'll hold up better the sooner they all consistently adhere to it. So the book is urgent. Tap again. Security Wizard has a running telepathic bond. He uses it to request this particular report go to Mylol at medium urgency. Carissa assumes all of her previous education on Taldor was misleading, so she's not going to do further planning until she can be acquainted with how the place actually works. Which is important. The lies won't hold up. They are made of the wrong substrates for convincingness to Keltham. And that's as far as she can reasonably get in planning, so... I do have a perfectly reliable method of avoiding pregnancy. All wizards second circle and higher do she says aloud to Keltham. I didn't want to interrupt sex to have a conversation about whether you can trust me because I suspect it won't be a very sexy conversation. But, so, you know. I'd trust you with my shirt on that kind of assurance. My putative child's existence and welfare is a bit higher stakes. You don't have any hesitations of your own, if I said yes on my side? About what? Maybe she can just say that. About what? Having my child. We don't know what Dathilon and Galarian genetics do when mixed. It's obviously a gamble that Kaliax collectively needs to take, but the people who take it will have their own reasons for it. The research harem. That's the first time he said it out loud, but it's not really in doubt at this point. Had a chance to be asked about that, but you just followed me from the world wound. It's not clear you'd make the same decisions about being ready for a kid and being willing to have that kid be an experimental one. The children and childhoods that get dedicated to science, in one way or another, that's got to be one of the top things my home planet has feelings about, but knows it has to keep doing anyways. Honestly, I haven't thought about that at all yet. I was imagining you'd need much longer to think about it. I think probably they'll just let the kids have an approximately normal upbringing and test their intelligence more often than normal. 
If they do that, then, well, I had a normal upbringing and it was pretty great. I don't have hesitations about that. If they have plans to do something weirder than that, I'll have to think about it. And, uh, either way, I'll have to think about, it would be a really inconvenient time to get pregnant right now. Pregnancy causes fatigue. Also, you can't hit people much while they're pregnant. You could keep me for hitting and get the other girls pregnant, she almost says, because in Cheliacs, that'd be a great flirtatious thing to say, but stops herself in time because she knows enough about Doth Elan to know that Keltham would be genuinely appalled at the suggestion this decision was his alone, if he even successfully parsed it from what she said, but that's not worth the risk. Reassuring to hear her say that, it doesn't sound like what a child-seeking conspiracy would have her say, to first order, though of course that could just be guessing his passcode based on the tone in which he asked the question. Well, even if I sign a contract with Cheliax, I won't expect it to include a rush order on that short of a timescale, Keltham says. My sperm should stay potent a few years yet. He briefly considers whether he wants to see a Keltham Carissa in particular, but his brain is still returning error codes for that, and the internal question goes unanswered. Keltham also has questions about hitting, because it seems like that wouldn't optimize well over a pain-to-injury ratio. No, actually because his brain flinches away, it could be Dathalani programming, or it could be a not-my-sexuality-actually error. He wants to inflict pain on Carissa, not violence. But he's going to have to write out a list of questions anyways, so it can just get wrapped into that. He's curious about the six top theories for why wizards are harder to hurt, and about whether he can think of easy-distinguishing experiments in the first ten seconds, or if Galarian already did narrow it down as much as a sensible person could without advanced experimental designs. But it was stated that he needs to tickle this information out of Carissa, and that sounds like more sex. He is feeling a bit tired, though. There's been a number of hours in the day. I should cast the unidentified spells my god gave me before I go to sleep. Keltham murmurs out loud. Is there a workroom or protected area, or should a senior wizard be monitoring me, or... There's probably a workroom, and you probably want someone on hand who can dispel the spell if it's dangerous. She sits up, very reluctantly, and starts getting dressed. I can't dispel your spells reliably. You're higher circle than me, but security'll be able to. Oops. Should he have asked if she wanted to cuddle even longer? No, he shouldn't. She just got through saying repeatedly to him to optimize over his own darn self. Or does that only apply during sex? He'll add that to the questions list. Keltham will pull on his precious clothing, and then follow wherever Carissa takes him. Security! She calls impatiently and finds them, and they do know where workrooms are. Mind if I stay? She asks Keltham. I'm very curious. You're the one with the vastly greater risk tolerance. Be my guest. It's only after speaking that it occurs to Keltham to wonder how he'd feel if he accidentally hurt Carissa. But stand behind the more powerful wizard or something, maybe. Yeah, all right. She can do that. Keltham decides to keep the identified spells of Comprehend Languages and Sanctuary overnight, in case he suddenly needs them in the middle of the night because friends or enemies show up in his bedroom. He can cast them in the morning before praying, just to verify that those spells do what Keliax claimed. Actually, he should check two assumptions there. Question 1. If I keep sanctuary overnight and cast it in the dawn before praying for spells, does that count against my spells for that day? Question 2. Am I wasting my god's energy in any significant way if I cast a spell I don't need? Spells for the day are counted dawn to dawn. Casting them right before dawn won't alter what you get at dawn. God resources are expended when the spells are granted, not when they're used. 
If a god thinks you're being too profligate with your spells, they can grant you fewer, though they generally don't because it's useful for everyone to know what to expect a fourth circle cleric to get. If I just kept sanctuary, then my god wouldn't need to grant it again. Check. Maybe if I get it again tomorrow's dawn, I'll keep it that time. Or can the god opt directly whether to keep or replace a spell, if I still have it? First up, that enchantment compulsion spell that looks a lot like the truth spell, but that I only had a single copy of, and didn't previously want to waste in testing in case there was an obvious natural time for using an enchantment compulsion. Carissa, you up for being the target of it? If you keep it, your god doesn't need to grant it again. I have never heard of a god replacing a spell their cleric had saved on purpose, which might mean it's impossible, or just expensive, or just better to predictably not do. Sure, go ahead. It seems like an easy thing to experiment on, but okay, fine, Keltham will figure out what to do about Sanctuary later. He boops Carissa with an unidentified First Circle Enchantment Compulsion spell. Like the Truth spell, it puts a symbol on her forehead. Uh, not obviously subjectively anything, she says after a second. I am an apple. I have never met Keltham. Not a Truth spell. I think it's a specialized Truth spell, the security wizard says. I haven't seen it before, though. Offer to sell me your shoe for 18,000 gold pieces? I will sell you my shoe for... Wow. Okay. One second. Try selling security something. What does he have that isn't worth 18,000 gold pieces? Even his fingernail clippings or saliva contain his DNA, and if sold unencumbered could be used in principle to... Oh, right. Time. He owns time. I'll tell you the result of adding 2 plus 3 in exchange for 18,000 gold pieces, Keltham says to the security wizard. That's not a fair trade, Carissa blurts out. Wow, Abadar is such a specific god. Interesting. Keltham's mind immediately goes to the obvious next thing to try. If 1 plus 2 is 3, I'll tell you the result of 2 plus 3 for 18,000 gold. But if 1 plus 2 is 4, I'll tell you 2 plus 3 for free, he says to security. Carissa has been awake for too long. How does Keltham do this? One plus two does equal three, so it's the same unfair trade as... Not fair, she says involuntarily, but not until her brain has caught up with Keltham. To Carissa, I'm about to describe a fair trade. Try to claim falsely that it's unfair. To security, I'll tell you the result of one plus four if you tell me three plus two. Not fair, declares Carissa. Well... That explains why there's a separate truth spell and a fair division of gains from trade spell. I was wondering if this one was just strictly more powerful, and maybe there's a way to use it that way. But it's a lot more cumbersome, at least if it doesn't rule out false positives. Sorry about this, by the way, but doing it anyways for the obvious reason, I'll tell you one plus one for ten thousand gold pieces, if and only if you know of something about which the Chilish government is actively deceiving me. See, this is why she needs a headband is, I'll make an unfair trade conditional on a false thing, fair or unfair, or, and now someone has cast dominate person on her and wants her to keep her mouth shut so they at least must think the correct response to this is silence. It's incredibly hard to think under dominate person, and whoever cast it probably does have a headband, so she'll just trust their judgment. Keltham sort of wants to ask Carissa about more personal things, but... That seems a lot less like fair play. He's not even sure how he could ask about it being okay to use a spell for that. Afterwards, without making it seem like he was trying to extract permission from her, which seems sort of like trying to press an oath out of somebody. 
There can never be non-self-originating requests to swear to something. There's standard keeper oaths after all. But it has to be set up in an extremely careful way, to make it a mutually expected beneficial interaction that doesn't proliferate social pressure to swear oaths over smaller and smaller things. It doesn't seem much worth trying to ask things more intricate. He covered that territory with his earlier experiments, and if they could defeat the truth spell, they can probably defeat this too. Not sure how expensive it is to dispel something, or how hard it is on you to leave it up, but I'm fine if you want to dispel that now. It doesn't feel like anything when you're not trying to sneak deals past people, Carissa's mouth says for her. And it's probably short duration, and dispels are valuable. I don't mind leaving it up. And then the dominate person comes off, which is nice. She wasn't even trying to resist, and it still felt like most of her head was pushing against a brick wall when she tried to use it. All right. I used up all my second circles already today, and next up is three third circles I don't understand. Evocation, divination, illusion. Third circle cleric divinations. Uh, orasite, which shows law and chaos and good and evil, detect splendor, detect wisdom... Guiding star, but that's for navigation. Oh, that aura site sounds like one he shouldn't give time for local governance to fake, just in case everybody here is secretly good. Casting the divination now, Keltham says, and goes through the brief gestures that feel appropriate to untying the spell and flicking it loose. Carissa is lawful evil. Security is lawful evil. There's another lawful evil outside the door. Keltham himself has an aura of law, but not one of evil. Lawful neutral? Keltham thinks fast enough not to say it out loud, in case they don't know that somehow, and don't like learning it. He doesn't count as evil or good, or does he have enough good in him that it balances out, or... That was Orisite, yeah. I wonder why my god would have given me that. You'd already know if one of the people here was secretly chaotic good or something, right? Do they not have access to this spell somehow? We do have that spell. Uh, people who aren't very powerful don't register, so there isn't a way to know for sure about the Second Circle girls. But you having the spell doesn't change that. That can't be the problem your god was trying to solve. When you arrived here, you didn't have a visible aura because you weren't very powerful, security says. You acquired it at some point after you were selected as a cleric. Your aura communicates that your god is lawful neutral, but isn't information about your personal alignment. The same for other clerics, a lawful neutral or neutral evil cleric of Asmodeus, if there were somehow one, would still read as both lawful and evil. You didn't think to mention earlier that my god was lawful neutral, Keltham says. He's actually puzzled by this. It seems a strange piece of info to withhold. Oh, that's a plausible reason why he got Aura Sight, so he'd know. But surely Chelish governance would realize that his god could, in fact, grant him that spell, sooner or later, if they didn't tell him, as apparently they didn't or just that Keltham would hear about Orisite somewhere and ask what he detected as. Keltham is confused by why exactly they would withhold that of all info. Shoot. Carissa's pretty sure that's just a straight-up error. They were considering in the hours after it happened whether to tell him it had been identified as Abadar or whether to tell him it was an unknown LN god, but she wasn't personally going to tell him because she doesn't have Orisite and ostensibly isn't getting routine reports on him. Then the Nethys thing, and the O'Tolmans thing, and the devil refusing her soul, all happened in quick succession, and apparently no one ever took Keltham aside with the news. It's not her error, in the sense that she isn't the person who was supposed to do it. 
it is her error, in the sense that she could and should have ordered it. Her paying attention to it would have been adequate for avoiding it. She thinks loudly that it makes no sense for a hypothetical chelish security that was hiding nothing not to have noticed that, so she can't think of anything better than apologizing, explaining that Aura's sight is also possessed by chelish security and that they knew Keltham's god was lawful neutral and assumed Keltham knew that because people generally do when selected by a god. And there's a team of people researching god symbols and intending to report to him on candidates for who his god is, but all they have at this point is a moderately useless long list. First, you didn't know, security says, sounding surprised right back. People sense when they're chosen, not which god, if it's not a god they're very familiar with already, but which fundamental forces they're touched with. And you're not from around here, right? I apologize. We noticed around midday and then set a team of people trying to figure out which god it might be, and they were going to report to you when they had anything better than a list of all the known lawful neutral gods. He said chaotic evil, and I was confused about that, but I haven't got aura sight. Do you have a person you're supposed to report all instances of being confused to? Security snaps back at her. Yes, I'm sorry. There's... I was confused about a lot of things today. Keltham is currently confused about whether the security guard and Carissa already know each other. That seems more like an intimate co-founder-co-founder interaction, or two keepers on the same level of organizational lattice, than a security officer talking to an unfamiliar non-security officer. He decides not to point this out, in case it's symptomatic, say, of their being part of a set of play actors who all know each other and aren't good at pretending to be strangers. His hypotheses on how the people around him could be trying to deceive him keep foundering on all the ways they'd have to be simultaneously good at it, and also bad at it, in order to explain the details of his observations. Still, Keltham doesn't neglect to note that the whole thing rings slightly false, and more like they had reasons for worrying about him acquiring the info that his god was lawful neutral. Though what to make of that, he has no idea. Evocation or illusion next, Keltham says. Third Circle Cleric evocations would be... There's one to disrupt the summoning magic of summoned creatures. I'm going to be seriously alarmed if you've got that. One that gives the aura of lawfulness devils have, and one that does a really bright light. Helping hand is third circle. It can find anyone within five miles and sort of gently, politely, repeatedly point them in your direction. Doesn't make a lot of sense for this situation. Do you know yet how to see if it's instantaneous or has some duration? Instantaneous ones look like they're rigged to all go off at once. Ones with a duration look like it'll hold stably for a bit on its own and decay slowly. Keltham inwardly stares at the truth spell he has remaining, first to come to mind as effect over time, then at his other spells. Either I can't tell the difference at all, or none of the spells I got today were instant, Keltham says hesitantly after a while. Okay. Then it could do a really wide range of things, but it's probably not instantly deadly, and security can cancel it if it's even somewhat deadly. I don't see how we'll guess without you casting it. Keltham starts going through brief gestures to untie and flick loose a spell. This spell is, in fact, Invisibility Purge. How are any invisible people nearby doing at a very fast spellcraft check and attempted reaction to that, if any? The invisible security person is also on the other side of the door. Defense in depth, right? Abadar is incredibly not amused by them. In general, making a god this not amused with you is an incredibly doomed plan. Oops. 
Keltham is slightly proud of how fast he manages to get himself behind the security wizard, relative to the short person who suddenly materialized in the room. He makes no romantic attempt to grab Carissa along the way, either because his hindbrain hasn't gotten updated about him having equity in her, or because his hindbrain successfully updated on her being a vastly more seasoned emergency response officer. That's Otolmans's halfling. It has got to be, but she isn't supposed to know that. Carissa steps clear of security, but where she's easier to get to than Keltham and shouts, not screaming like she's scared, but shouting because more attention should be allocated here. Are, are you the special case with authorization direct from the High Priestess? Security asks Broom. Broom is, he says. His hindbrain knows that this is a situation where he needs to think very fast to avoid punishment rather than appearing unthreateningly stupid. Broom removes the other ring. Not the invisibility ring, the ring that conceals his alignment and his thoughts. He knows that powerful wizards can read thoughts in general, and his thoughts in particular. Wink right eye if I should try to explain, left eye if you explain. He thinks at the security guard. I can say I am chosen of a secret lawful neutral god that tries to avoid people making large messes. Keltham, however, still has aura sight up, which is not something that Broom would know because halfling slaves don't memorize the durations of third-circle cleric spells. Lawful neutral, Keltham says, a moment after the ring comes off. Right eye. Broom apologizes very much, says Broom with a deep bow, but not a servile one. Broom is the chosen of a secret lawful neutral god that tries to avoid people making large messes. Okay, there are at least some people hiding in the walls at all, but they're... Honestly, this doesn't make Chiliax look so bad if it's true. A lawful neutral god who averts messes, sending invisible observers to monitor the alien traveler, under some interfactional compact, are like how things would work if any part of Galarian were remotely functional, which, given how functional this place isn't, does make the story a little suspect. Security, does that match your understanding? Yes, it does. You mind if I tap you with a truth spell before this conversation continues, Broom? The spell doesn't force you to respond. It forces you to say the truth or nothing. Right eye if you can let me evade that truth spell without his knowing. Left eye if you can't. Right. Broom accepts this. Keltham casts his truth spell. The mysterious symbol flashes into existence on the forehead of Broom. Who are you? Say it again. This one is Broom. This one is the chosen of a secret lawful neutral god who tries to prevent giant messes. Can you tell me why your god is a secret god? Or is the reason why your god is secret itself a secret? The reason is also secret, Broom says. Broom apologizes again. What constitutes a giant mess? If all the other countries get scared of Chiliax and start threatening violence unless Chiliax shuts down this project, is that a giant mess by your standards? Broom momentarily considers whether to answer this truthfully, before realizing that answering no implies that the messes are even larger, which is not a direction in which he wants Keltham's thoughts going. A mess is a mess, Broom says. My God decides. What do you do if you determine that I'm about to make a giant mess? Stab you before you can destroy the world. Tell my god, tell the great wizards. By great wizards, Broom of course means great wizards like the one in the room right there next to him. That is as great as a wizard gets from a slave's perspective. Would you rather we converse in some other language? I've got to comprehend languages, and your speech patterns suggest you're not a native speaker of Taldane. Broom's speech patterns are for avoiding offense and punishment. Taldane is good for Broom. Do you know who my god is? Aspexia Rugaton told Broom some of what was known about Keltham, 
cleric of Abadar. No, Broom lies again. Really? You'd think lawful neutral gods, of all the kinds of gods there are, would coordinate more with each other. Broom genuinely does not understand this. My god may know your god. I do not know your god. Do you know what could be preventing my god from contacting me directly? Otolmans, Asmodeus. Broom does not know. Broom is not wise in the ways of gods. Broom only serves one. Were you watching myself and Carissa before? Keltham doesn't ask it, although the thought of being watched while he was hurting Carissa seems like far more of an intimate violation than being spied on during ordinary sex. He doesn't ask because that part is a personal issue, and this is about world-scale interfactional treaties. He actually is feeling wounded about that violation of privacy, injured, angry if it was true. Huh. Imagine that. Well, Keltham is not good, and he is allowed to do something about pursuing his own interests here. I'm not really happy with this version of the spying thing, Keltham says. How about if, from now on, you monitor my lessons openly, or don't show up at all? And my god won't have to give me more revealing hidden people spells, and we won't have to burn effort on opposing each other. Broom supposes there is little reason to remain hidden from you, now that you know Broom is here. Broom was told that others are not to know of Broom, however. I'm not comfortable with you spying on my students either, Keltham says, and I do have the power to reveal you to them, if my god grants me the same spell again, or I could just tell them outright what I already learned about you, if nobody wants to explain detailed treaties and reasons otherwise to me. My proposal is that there's just an unexplained very short person in the lessons, and I say that I sort of know why you're there, but it's not going to be explained. Broom cannot make this decision on his own. Broom will consult with the great wizards of Cheliax and pray to his god. Good to know the great wizards are paying any attention. Fine, you've got twenty-four hours to let me know about a decision, or update me about why it's taking longer, and meanwhile I don't expect you to be hidden around spying. Broom bows again and turns to go. He is neither shaking nor sweating. Whatever comes of this, he is very unlikely to be burned over and over for it, unless it merits a Spexia Rugaton coming back to allow that. Keltham will spend a few moments breathing, trying to get over the shock of adrenaline followed by the shock of wounding, when he realized that, if this person was here at all, it was probably because that person was following him and Carissa around, spying on private moments. Keltham was, in retrospect, much more aggressive than he should have been, with an interfactional representative of another god like that, one who has treaties with Chiliacs, but it's been a long time since this kind of twisting thread of anger has run through him. I should ask what you can be authorized to know, says security, and fills the room briefly with glitter, checking there aren't more invisible people, and then heads out behind Broom. If you wish to support this AI reading and others like it, please visit patreon.com slash askwhocastsai. Any help is appreciated. And thank you to executive producer John Doe 7776059. Thank you.